What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube and aren't subscribed, make sure and click the subscribe button, like, comment, let us know what you think about the episode. If there's any questions you have about anything we covered, or if you'd like to suggest a guest or topic, we're always checking comments on there. Love to hear from you guys and then be able to make them into a future episode. Today, I'm going to be joined by Dennis Schroeder of Strictly Diesel and Driven Diesel Performance. And he's got a really unique story that I I, I was really interested in learning more about all the different sides of the diesel industry and community that he's been on and how he's built a a, highly successful company uh, that's innovating products and really try to pick his brain um, as far as some tips and things that all of us can use um, in our jobs and our businesses. And he's got a really unique story. So can't wait to tell it before we get to it though. I want to remind you guys that our friends over at Kershaw knives have a 20% off site-wide discount code just for diesel podcast listeners. If you use code 23 diesel 20, um, at Kershaw.kaiusa.com, you get 20% off site-wide. They've got a lot of great gear. So if you're in the market for a knife, for hunting, fishing, EDC, anything like that. They've definitely got you covered. Their latest model that they've released this year is is the Duralock, which it's a really nice folding knife. And they've got a a series of different blades and handle designs that you can pick from, but keeps your fingers away from the blade when you're opening, closing. It's got a super smooth mechanism and the blade's made out of D2 still. So definitely make sure, head on over, check it out if you're in the market and use code 23diesel20 for 20% off. All right, let's get to today's podcast with Dennis from Strictly Diesel and Driven Diesel Performance, learning more about his business, his journey, and where the companies are at now in offering products to be able to help truck owners out there solve problems and help shop owners out there. Dennis, welcome to the Diesel Podcast. This is our first time chatting on the podcast. I've known about you and and your companies for quite a long time, and I've really been looking forward to this chat today. We had talked a bit beforehand, and you got me excited about power stroke parts, things you're doing with business, your story, which I know a lot of people are going to find um, inspiring, interesting, and be able to apply to themselves. So I look forward to chatting with you, learning more about you, your companies, and and uh, ways people can keep their power strokes running the, uh, the way they need to. I appreciate that. I, I think you and I have talked a couple of times over the years and just never put this together until now. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It was, it was really cool. And, you know, I was thinking and uh sitting down for our chat today i'm like there are so many different directions i could go with dennis like i have a million questions but (laughs) i kind of wanted to start at the beginning for our listeners who may not know who you are may not know um, your history in the diesel world and your companies i thought it would be great to start all the way back at the beginning and when or what inspired you to get into this industry and then we'll go through how it progressed and where it is now with some really exciting things you have going on Okay. Well, I mean, there's kind of two beginnings to to where we are today. Um, but mine was uh, started in late 2000 when I ordered a uh, my first diesel pickup from Ford, uh, which was going to be a 2001 uh, F-250 crew cab short bed 7.3 power stroke. And uh, I had been a car guy forever. And so I'd already been used to being in the Mustang forms from all my Mustang stuff. And so then I went looking for, there's got to be Ford truck diesel forums. And I happened to find some of those and you start down that rabbit hole and well, you just never stop going down that rabbit hole. And so, um, you know, I got the truck and sometime in early 2001, um, had a inkling to go out and fart around and make something in the garage to solve a problem I had with the truck, which was a, a, a petty little thing, but 
you know, like like everybody does on the forums or, or now on Facebook, um, you know, I, I built something and I put it in the truck and I was kind of proud of it. And I took a picture of it and I started getting, hey, can you make me one of those kind of comments? And so I figured out basically, well, how do I how do I get somebody to cut this? Um, I think it was laser. The first, the first thing I did, I think was laser cut. And then I had to find somebody else that could bend it. And it had, I don't know, it had five or six bends. It was kind of complicated. And then I had to find a shop to powder coat it. And all of a sudden I, I had a part and, you know, made a, a cheesy kind of PayPal store and, and started offering them. And it became a kind of a way to subsidize tinkering with my my pickup. And so about April of 01, uh, my, my first, the first iteration of, of, of this whole thing started, um, and kind of just snowballed from there. What really, what really interested me or interests me about it is I went on a similar path, but didn't get into the extent that you have with building, um, you know, the businesses and making parts and things like that. But it started, very simply for me, and actually with a 7.3 as well, it wasn't one I owned, um, but I grew up in a Ford house and being like a rebellious kid, I couldn't like Ford. So, <laughs> but my uh, my dad loved them and he bought a, uh, it's a 2002 7.3. Um, and it was my first exposure to a diesel truck, riding in one, seeing it, seeing the, you know, the, the trailers that he would tow. And I thought, okay, this is really interesting. And then at that time, like you'd mentioned forums, that's what I did shortly after is, you know, I looked at different trucks. I would, you know, I don't, I don't remember how Google was real popular back then, but whatever the search engine was at that time, I found a couple and then it just took off and I would spend a lot of my free time reading. And I know that's transitioned now more towards social media pages um, and things like that, but it's, it's almost identical is something catches your attention. You get immersed and you find people all over the country or even all over the world who are interested in the same engine, the same platform, finding the same problems, trying to figure it out. And you have this sense of community now where you took it to another level. And this is where I wanted to, to focus in for a little bit is you took that next step and said, there's a problem this truck has. I think I have a solution for it. I'm going to make this part and then allow this community that I'm a part of to be able to, to purchase it. Did you have any background in manufacturing or sales, putting that together back at that time frame, or was that all brand new to you at, at that time as well? Well, I guess I kind of did. Um, my growing up, my father for a, a lot, a lot of when I was growing up worked for another company, but at one point he, uh, he left there and, and went out on his own and, and basically, you know, became, became his own boss. And so I had seen that for a, a lot of years and, and actually while I while I was when I graduated from college I started working for him for a while it just wasn't a business I had enough interest in to stay doing it and I eventually left and and went a, down a different path and uh, but I but I was familiar with with the process of, of running and owning a business um, when I was in college uh, to, for extra money I I'd, I'd, I'd started my own little business doing uh, computer service, basically. You know, I, I'm going to show my age a little bit, but that was back in the days when you didn't just go buy something and stick it in a computer and plug and play said, okay, it works. Have a nice day. 
uh, you know, it was a lot more complicated and, and sometimes getting things to play nice was, was a pain in the neck and it was something I had a knack at. And so, so I had already a little bit on my own and a little bit, you know, from, from my experience watching my father and later working for my father, I, I was already familiar with owning the concept of owning a business and, and, and doing that kind of stuff. And so it wasn't, it wasn't unnatural at all. Um, and then I, I came up with the, you know, the part I was talking about earlier and, and it, it just, it, it just kind of seemed natural. Okay. Well, I mean, it can't be all that hard to go out and find somebody that can cut this. I've got a, I've got a template, a, a friend of mine did CAD in college. And so he helped me, you know, take the, the part I made, flatten it all back out, draw it in, in CAD. And so I had a CAD drawing. And once I had that, it, it just didn't seem like it should be all that difficult. So I, I, I went on the look and I mean, it took me a little while to find all the different steps and get it pulled together, but yeah, it was just, it just kind of, it was like a natural thing. And I think, I think my history of, of doing things and watching my dad led to a lot of that. Yeah. It led me to, to go down that road and be like, well, this can't be that difficult. We'll see if we can, you know, make a few of these and make a few bucks. What was it like when the first one sold? What was that feeling like? And did a light bulb go off that oh, I could sell more of these? 22 years ago. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, you know, I'm sure it was. I mean, it was, it was, it, it, my, my very, very first website was literally probably a single page. It had a single part on it with a link to pay me by PayPal. And, and so, you know, probably that first time I got that, you know, an email, you made a sale, you know, I, I was probably pretty excited. And I mean, I, the thing sold for $35. I couldn't have made, but maybe 10 bucks on it. You know, I, so it's not like I was making a lot, but when it's, when it continued to sell and, and when I sold, you know, like a bunch of them, then it got really exciting. Cause like, okay, well, maybe this was, you know, wasn't such a silly idea after all. And so that, I think, I think it probably came a little farther down when I saw there, there's actually some interest in this. Um, and, and funny enough, not all that long ago, I actually saw one on eBay, um, <laughs> that uh, I was like, oh, I know where that came from. I made that, you know, many, many years ago. I mean, we quit making them. God, I probably quit making it in like 05 or 06. So I haven't, I haven't made that particular part in a lot of years now. But um, but yeah, and I'd have to go look. I don't even know how many I made or sold. It, it was at least easily hundreds of them, but I don't know. When, at what point did it grow to a level where you said, I need to do this full-time or I want to do this full-time. This is the path I want to follow. That growth was actually, well, I, I don't know what, I don't know what anybody would consider quick. To me, it seems kind of quick. I started with one part in April of 01. That, that's when I formed the very first company. Um, and, and then it, I grew it, you know, because I got into it more and, and, you know, so to to kind of subsidize and 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 help i you know i added performance parts that were coming out like the first super chips micro tuner or i mean there's there's names i i don't even they're not around anymore i, I remember selling jardine performance exhaust and I, I think they're long 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 gone um you know we sold volant and and afe very close to when they both kind of came out it seems like um, but I picked up, you know, a line here, or a line there, things that kind of went along with, with what I was interested in and, and kind of went together, you know, the, the typical intake exhaust and a tuner thing way back in the day. Um, and, and so 
as I started doing that, it started helping me to actually think about growing the business and doing different things with it because it, it obviously provided additional income. I actually left my day job in mid 2004, it was like June of 2004, uh, was when I quit my day job and went full time uh, into just running the business. I that was a big step. That was scary. Yeah. Well, that's that's one of the questions I get from a lot of younger listeners who they know they want to do this, but they're they don't have everything set up financially. <clears throat> and they always ask, you know, at what point or can you ask a guest at what point do they know that they should pursue this full time? And then how scary that move is, because you leave everything that you've had and the, the comfort and the predictability and now all of a sudden it's on your shoulders to think of the products, the shipping, the website, the customer service, all that stuff. Well, and all that, I mean, all that was on mine already the, the way it was. But the big thing for me was at, at the time, at the time I made that decision, um, I had a wife, I had a stepdaughter, um, you know, I had a, I had a mortgage, I had, you know, a truck payment, I, you know, th there were, there were, there were other things in life. And so, and, and I had, I had been in my job, I, I worked in the IT field and I'd been in doing what I was doing at that point, close to 10 years. So I was making pretty decent money in the IT field. Um, and, and I'd moved up into a, into a pretty good position. I was working for a large corporation and we had everything. We had killer medical and, and 401k with a match and so to think think about leaving all that stuff that's not an easy that's not an easy proposition um and and i i'm lucky at the time my wife at the time um had gotten a a, a good job and we were able to transition our our medical benefits to her and and it was it was an equal if not better plan so it was a good deal for us to do that um and you know, I, I basically gave up, I gave up the 401k and, and, and the paycheck for, for the hope that, that the business was going to keep going. And I looked at the business and am I bringing in enough money a month that if I get rid of my day job money, I'm, I'm contributing enough to the household while I wait for some growth. Cause I, I, I felt like it would grow if I could put more time into it, but I, but I still need to contribute to the, to the, to the house and got to pay the bills and everything else. And so am I doing well enough there to make that change? And that, that, that was kind of the, that was the decision. You know, we, we put money in savings and said, well, you know, we could probably go four to six months. Um, and then if, if it doesn't pick up, if it, if it doesn't do better than it's doing right now, then you might be back looking for a job again. <laughs> and it, luckily it, it, it picked up and obviously I never looked back. I think of my, my own journey and I, it was very similar with the fear, but the fear I had is I didn't, I wasn't married. I didn't have children, but I was reaching an age where I knew that I would want that. And I thought this is my last chance to do it because I don't think if I take this risk right now, I won't do it when I'm older. And it was so scary. It was like two different fears. Cause you have the fear of regret that I don't do it. And I look back and regret it. And the fear of, is this going to work? Am I going to be able to pay my bills? And how am I going to do right. any of this stuff? And there's a lot of growth and opportunity that's there. And I appreciate you mentioning that story because there's so many people that will reach out and ask and they're, they're younger people, which are the future of this community and, and the diesel industry. And, and they can kind of get overwhelmed with all the things that are out there. So they look towards people like yourself and the stories that you guys have to, 
find inspiration and I think determination to just take the leap that they already want to take. Well, and I certainly put in the time ahead of that, you know, I mean, for three solid years, either before my day job or after my day job at night or on the weekend or whatever, I was, I was consuming some of what would have been family time to, to, to build a business. And, and I, I initially it was, it was, you know, if, if this, if this provides me some funds to tinker with, you know, my truck or whatever, and I, I didn't necessarily start the business thinking, um, it was going to become my full-time job. Um, I started it as kind of a hobby in something I was interested in. Um, and, and, and I was, I was good with computers again, being in the it field all that time. So building a website was a natural. So there were multiple facets of all that. That was, it was fun and entertaining to do. And then as it grew, it's kind of where it became, okay, maybe this is a viable thing. Maybe this really can go somewhere, you know, and, and I had, I had people to look up to in the business. Um, you know, there were a number of, of people that, I mean, they were competitors, um, you know, and, and sometimes, I mean, you know, when you're young, you don't always look at competition the right way. There's times I'm sure I looked at them as people I didn't like. Um, but, I, but in a way I, I still looked up to them because they were doing it full time and, 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 and so, you know, I saw that path. I saw, well, you know, if they can do it, I'm sure I can do it. It's just getting to a point where I'm willing to pull the trigger and, and leave. So somebody looking at doing it today, you know, they, they have to, they might have to do it the way I did it. They might have to put in, you know, all the extra hours and do it on the side and, and, you know, until, until they really build something that they can, that they can maybe go to part-time in, in another job or, or, you know, work your way. I mean, it, it's definitely not the kind of thing you just, you know, go get a tax license and, and, and a business name and go, okay, I'm open. I mean, you'd, you'd have to have a lot of funds to start something like that, that way, but to build up to it over several year periods, totally realistic. Yeah. It, and it, I think it's how a lot of people do it. Yeah. I think the majority, I think it's the right way to do it. Um, I can't say that I did it that way. Um, I think I kind of jumped in a little bit before I should have and had to figure it out really quick. And I wish I wouldn't have done that. I wish I would have taken more time and planned it out. As somebody had explained to me once is with starting a company, either start it with a whole bunch of money or you're going to start it with a whole bunch of sweat equity and yeah. build it to that point. And I think, I think the sweat equity way creates more consistency. You learn a lot more. And I think it lessens the risk a little bit because, you know, you're seeing part sales come in. I'm sure people were you know, sending you messages on forums or emailing or calling in, you saw the demand that was there that if you just would have left your day job, turned that on, you might not have got a call for a month or two or six months or three months. And that's, that's scary. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and then, you know, if you have a day job and that's what's supporting you making the transition, you really have to look at everything in a realistic manner, you know, yeah. and, and ask yourself, you know, do I have enough in savings? Is, is this a transition that, that I feel like I can make? you know, if, if I put more time and effort, is it going to result in more income to offset what I'm giving up if I leave a day job? Um, you know, is, is, is now the lack of ability to spend time and effort because of my day job? Is that holding my income back on this? And if the answer is no, if, if it's, you know, I don't, I don't think I'm going to make a significant difference putting eight more hours a day at it. Well, then maybe it's not the right time to try to make a transition like that yet. You know, you, you have to, you have to be realistic about all of it and, and really think about it because you don't want to make that leap 
and fail, I think that would feel a lot worse than not making that leap for another year or two or spending more time in a job maybe you absolutely hate, but it's it's getting you by in life while you build something. You know, I, that, that's kind of how I look at it, especially yeah. if you have family, kids, yeah. you know, other other obligations involved. Yeah, that's good. That's great advice. And I'm thinking, you know, this point you're at with with your business, did you focus in on a particular truck like you'd mentioned a 73 was it 73 upgrades you were focusing on or how did it because when i think of of you know what i know of uh, of you and your companies i'd always think power stroke and i'd always think where, where you guys are at and i was curious how how that intertwined with the growth of your business well i mean potentially it held it held me back in some of the early years I bleed about as blue as they come. Um, both of my grandfathers worked for Ford Motor Company in manufacturing facilities in Ohio. My mother worked for Ford Motor Company in Ohio. Um, I, I'm, I'm a Ford family as far back as 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 I can remember, and um, you know, so I've always been a Ford guy. And and I mean, every new vehicle I've ever purchased has been a Ford, and so that was that was where my love was. And 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 then when I got the Power Stroke, and you know and I was enamored with the truck. I just loved it to death. Um, you know, that, that was what my focus was. So while I was starting to add product lines, like when I added, you know, Volant or, 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 uh, you know, later on, uh, Magnaflow or, or whoever's exhaust systems, I think I had Dynamax early on. I probably put, um, you know, like a, a, a GM or a, you know, a Cummins exhaust system on the website, because potentially one of these other sites, some of the sites I went to were not just Ford, they were, they were all, um, you know, so potentially one of those people might wander onto my site and be like, oh, that's a good deal. I'll buy that or whatever. And, and I wouldn't lose on, I didn't want to lose out on the sale, but the stuff I paid the most attention to was certainly Ford. Um, and, and honestly, it was that way for a really long time. I mean, even up to, even up to moving the business out of my house, which I ran it out of my house until 2009. Um, in 2009, uh, we were sponsoring a drag race event here and somebody coming from out of town Googled me. This is before I knew what Google Maps was. Google mapped me and showed up at my house and knocked on my front door unannounced. And I'm, and I'm thinking at that point, okay, I got a, you know, a, a kid here. Um, and I got a stranger knocking on my door. Nope, I'm not so good with this. And uh, so we quickly found a commercial location and got everything switched. So when you looked up Google, it didn't come up in my house anymore. Um, and that was that was when I first moved out. And that was a little, I think, 1,200 square foot one bay shop. Um, and and then that was that was basically that way until mid 2010 when Nate and I merged. Um, and that's really that's really the point that that GM and, and Dodge stuff more came more heavily into play for me. Up to that point, I had stuck primarily with Ford just because that's what I knew. Um, it's, and, and it's what I had the most experience with. It was what I was the most interested in. Um, and, you know, but but once I merged with Nate and, and Strictly Diesel, the way it is today kind of came to be, um, then, then we had to had to grow that thought process a little bit at that time. How did I get this question as well with with business partners and combining 
two different either skill sets or two different passions together and you can make a really strong company that way. How did how did that arise in at that time that time frame that you mentioned? How has that led and progressed all the way to what we're going to be chatting about here shortly which is, you know, 2023 and where you're at. But I'm really curious about the partnership and and kind of merging um both sets of interests and both skill sets together and to make something you know, stronger or bigger or achieve a vision that you guys both had? Some, my memory's showing its age. I'm not going to remember the exact years all this stuff went down. I, I want to say it was somewhere around 06 or 07, Nate and I met. Um, and he ran his small shop, Strictly Diesel in Scottsdale here. And I was running um, ITP Diesel at the time, my my primarily online and, and manufacturing so I was I was doing the parts thing. I was doing online sales and and I was and I was building my own product, um, and and I and doing, you know, doing some other stuff like like back in those days, you know, the A pillar gauges was a big thing. It was before the digital monitors really existed, and I would I would build completely assembled A pillars, painted to match, all the gauges installed, pre wired, ready to drop in the truck. That was one of the things I did for for a number of years. So I did those types of things and. Nate and I met through a through a local truck club that, that a friend of mine and I had formed, and and uh, so that's how we came to know each other. And then I started referring people who wanted work done to him, so they'd maybe come to me and buy one of those gauge pods, or they might buy one of our fuel systems, or you know whatever. And they'd be like, "Do you do installs?" And at the time, I'm a one man operation, and it's all I can do basically to keep you know building parts and and doing orders and shipping things. And so I. I started saying, oh, but, you know, this guy across town, can, he can get you hooked up. And so, you know, he'd, he'd refer some people my way for certain parts and I'd send people his way for for service or, or install work or whatever else. And we just became friends. And then somewhere in there, uh, 08, maybe um, 07, 08, the NHRDA uh, came to town and and uh, we had, Nate and I had sponsored a, a local drag diesel drag race and we're talking small i think there was like 10 or 15 or maybe 20 trucks max maybe um and nothing fast back in the day um but randy had come down at, at the suggestion of, of one of the members of our of our local truck group and uh checked it out and and so you know standing in, in the parking lot at the racetrack you know we basically agreed that we would for the next one we would involve the nhrda and Nate and I would co-sponsor it. So the next, the, the very first NHRDA event that was here was was sponsored by Strictly Diesel and ITP Diesel, both as title sponsors. So we just we were good friends. You know, we we had very similar desires. We we wanted to support the racing and we wanted to see that show up here. You know, he, he wanted to support my business and help me, you know, sell parts. And I wanted to send people his way to 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 get you know service and repair and or um, you know stuff that people bought from me installed. And so it was, it was just, it was like a good working relationship. And one day it kind of dawned on me that if, if we kept going the direction we were going, which I, I had, when I was in my one bay shop, I had hired somebody to help me. Finally. Uh, I had my daughter working with me at the time as well. Um, you know, we were starting to grow. I I'd started occasionally doing installs of certain things for people like the gauge pods or, or sometimes a fuel system. Um, and I knew he wanted, he wanted to form a website that was going to be capable of doing e-commerce sales. And it dawned on me, we're going to, 
we keep growing in the direction we're growing, we're going to become competitive. And I, and I was worried that that would wreck a good business relationship. And I talked to my wife at the time. I said, this is a thought I'm having. It's kind of a nerve wracking thing to think about going from being your own, entirely your own boss to having a partner, um, you know, and, but we, we kind of decided it made sense. And so I, I approached him and said, Hey, what do you think of this idea? He had previously had partners um, and, and it wasn't a, it wasn't a situation that ended on the best of terms. Um, and so I, I kind of knew he might still be licking his wounds from that. And, and, and certainly I didn't want to go down that path and have a problem. So we spent, we might've spent close to a year planning the merger because, because we basically said, look, you know, you've been down that road. I haven't, neither one of us wants to have a problem. We both, you know, we both have families to support. How do we do this where if it turns out we don't work well together under the same roof, you know, not each of us being our own entire boss and, and we have to and we have to go our separate ways. How do we both leave this and still have our income stream and still have our 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 ability to go and, and do what we need to do? And so we we spent a lot of time very carefully talking about every issue we could think of. That might arise, um, and and how to structure the business from a from a from an LLC standpoint, from a from a tax standpoint, from from every standpoint. We talked to the lawyers, we talked to the, the the CPA. How do we do this so that if if we had to just go, you know what, it ain't working. All we do is fight or whatever. We can each go back and and basically be the same way we were before. And so I think that planning was was important. Um, for both of us, obviously, to build trust and, and and a little faith in the fact that what we're doing is not a mistake, but I think it was also important just to have all those conversations. And then, yeah, June of 2010, um, it, it all officially went live under one roof. What was it like after you guys had done all the planning? Did that take a lot of the guesswork out of it? So at that time, you just hit the ground running or... What was what was the kind of the feeling in the building and with the business right after the merger and you guys are you know together? I'm pretty sure we hit the ground running. I mean, we planned a lot of stuff. Um, you know, in in the time that we were planning all that, we went and found a building to be in. I was coming out of 1,200 square feet. I think his Scottsdale shop was like 3,500 square feet, if I remember right. I want to say he could get maybe maybe three vehicles in the shop at once and that was tight um and then parking vehicles around the shop was a nightmare the, that situation was just not good um we found a fifteen thousand square foot building um that was really close to where my current location was at the time and, and it was actually probably less than half the distance from his house it was closer to home for him um and you know so we we went in and, and, you know, we signed a lease and they, they did some reno for us to, to kind of build the office the way we wanted it. And then, you know, we planned everything. I mean, you know, when, before we even moved into the building, you know, I, I think we had, we'd planned and bought a phone system and we, we, we bought, you know, computer equipment and we had things set up. So we, we pretty well hit the ground running. Um, you know, I, I, I used my computer background and basically, you know, I, I combined, 
you know, my QuickBooks file and his, and I pulled all the clients together, um, you know, into a new file and I pulled all the vendors together and doing, you know, so a lot of things were set up and basically waiting for us to, to push the button and go. Um, and it was just a case of, of moving everything in and, and, and getting it all working. So a lot of it was, was pretty simple. Um, we did lose an employee in the process and, I, you know, I look back and I think today that was probably an okay deal. It, you know, it, it sucked at the time. We were a little upset at the timing of how it went down and whatever, but, but, but I think that ended up working out for the best. Um, and I think everybody else, you know, they, they might've had a few questions on it, but I, I think once we got in, in the new space, you know, he ran the the service and repair shop and the guys that worked for him previously just kept on working the way they always did. And I ran the, 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 parts side of things and 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 we kind of did our thing and it was all under one set of books and we basically kind of each did our own thing to the best of our ability and and we kind of left each other alone unless it was a, a major business decision you know we didn't we didn't go spend a lot of money without talking to the other partner you know or or, or we didn't do something you know that would be significant or drastic a major change in advertising or you know anything along those lines without saying hey let's sit down and have a chat about this let's make sure this was what we both agree is the right way to go. But then, you know, I pretty much left him alone in the shop and he pretty much left me alone to do parts and, and the internet and whatever else. And, and we just, we just kept doing it, but, but now I didn't have to send anybody anywhere. You know, somebody called me and said, Hey, can, can I buy this? Yeah. Okay. Where can I get it installed right here? Bring it in, you know, and the same thing, you know, somebody in the shop, you know, maybe had a need for something that, that was mine. They didn't have to be sent anywhere. He didn't have to come buy it from me. He'd walked and grabbed it off the shelf and installed it and everybody was happy. So I remember it being pretty smooth, but we, we put a ridiculous amount of planning into it. Uh, probably more than most people do um, just because of the history he had and me not wanting him to, to worry that, that that was the direction we were going to go. And honestly, I didn't want to have to worry that, you know, that we might have a falling out. At least I wanted to know that if that happened, well, you know, we each have a way to go. Yeah. Yeah. It's what's so valuable with that is I've seen it a lot throughout the years, either from like your, your perspective. So somebody um, has a website, they're selling parts, but they're not doing the install or it's a shop that just is doing installs. I think, Hey, I want to sell some of these parts. People come in and ask for things and it'd be nice to be able to get them. And I've seen a struggle that they, each person can have, um, either stories or even personally I've known and being able to merge or do both. So I was really curious about the success and how that went initially. And then I think maybe a little bit after that was, I don't know if it was a magazine that I had saw one of your trucks in. I, I want to say it was. My memory is getting tested a little bit. But that's when I first um, had heard of Strictly Diesel. And that's when uh, – I'm not in Arizona, so that was nationally, you know, that I knew about you um, and had seen the truck. So I think that's that's going to provide a lot of insight for people who may be thinking of doing that or they're just curious because it's tough to find somebody to ask and say – Hey, I do installs and I also want to do part sales or I do part sales. I also want to do installs. Who can I ask? What are some tips for it? It's so hard to find that. So that's a part of your story. I think it's going to help a lot of shop owners and business owners out there that may be thinking about doing something like that. Those two things are quite different. Um, I, I will say this much, and I, and I think it goes for both of us in this partnership. 
I think we've both learned a lot since the merger. I, you know, I had no idea how a service and repair operation ran. I had no idea. I, I never thought in terms of, 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 you know, parts and labor and, and, you know, the, the things you have to think about in a service operation when I, when I was building product and, 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 and he didn't have the, 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 the web and e-commerce background. He just, you know, he knew he wanted to go there. But now, you know, I look back and I go, but as, but as busy as he was with the service and repair operation, I don't know that he had ever had the time. Um, you know, he, he would have been, he would have been certainly bringing in additional employees and whatever to, to try to run a web operator. They're so different. The skill set you need to do them is, is very different. Um, it, I think it's a tough thing. You know, I, I mean, I'm glad, I'm glad we formed the business the way we did. Um, you know, I, I, I'm still not very involved in the service and repair shop. You know, we make, we still make major decisions together. There's certain things, you know, because we have employees and whatever, there's certain topics that always get discussed, uh, you know, between us or including our general manager as well. Um, and then there's other things that it's just like, just handle it. You know, I, that's your, that's your operation. We're, we're still at it all these years later. Clearly we're doing something right just handle it and kind of the same, you know, you know, we'll have suggestions for each other or ideas or whatever else, but then we kind of just let each other, you know, handle it. And so I think that's worked out well for us. I think it would be difficult to, to, to manage it all um, as, as a single person, unless you were in a position to afford to hire a number of people to do various different tasks because yeah. it, it both pieces of that can get very tedious and, and be very time consuming and so my background was in parts and, and i remember whenever it came to the service or the repair side it was like a whole other world for me and just trying to i, I never could have absorbed it i never could have done it the way they did it. and just even just trying to learn a little bit like i did it was just I knew I wasn't going to be good at that. I knew just to listen to them and if they needed parts on a certain day, get them there, um, expedite it, make it easy for them. And likewise, I don't know if they necessarily wanted to chat on the phone or you know, browse price sheets and update pricing and do all that stuff. They want to be working on something, diagnosing, you know, running, running that arena. So I, I agree with you. It's a really, it's a really hard thing to do, but I think going back to the partnership discussion that we have, that we had and, if if someone's looking at doing that, taking some valuable lessons from from your experience and then applying it towards towards their venture. Now, if you take me from that point to almost where you guys are now, because th there's an evolution, and we were chatting you know, during this podcast. I've seen an evolution of your story, and it combines so many parts of the the diesel industry and the community that I rarely see. I've rarely seen it go from the very beginning, like 2001, I, I wasn't into diesels. I vaguely remember them. You starting it then through this whole progression to where you guys are now and where you guys are going really, really fascinated me. And I haven't seen it before. So this is part of the reason I, you know, I'm really excited is how did you go from there to where you guys are now and what's coming in the future? What are some things you guys are working on? Well, I mean, I guess once we were, once we merged, once we moved into the new building, um, you know, obviously we had, we had more space, we had more, more, more place to put vehicles. Um, 
you know, it, it certainly made things easier. We had more more inventory storage space. I had, um, you know, I, I had a very large place, uh, you know, for us to do assembly. Uh, it, it just allowed us, it allowed us to grow, for example, in um, the amount of inventory we could keep. And the amount of inventory you can keep is a lot of times a direct connection to the amount of customers you can support. You know, if, if you don't have the space or, 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 or you don't have the money to buy the inventory, for example, um, to keep enough to build, I don't know, 50 of whatever part it is you're talking about, um, you know, you can't support if, if you get crazy busy or whatever. Now you're scrambling and trying to get more parts in or, you know, whatever. So, so that growth, me going from 1,200 square foot, him going from 35 and the two of us going into 15,000 square feet, it, it really gave us an opportunity to, to start figuring out, okay, how do we, how do we grow the rest of this? Okay. We just, we just upscaled the building big and, and we essentially, we had very similar sales figures at the time. So we essentially took two businesses that were each doing X and, and put them into one business is now doing two X. You know, we, we doubled our, our sales volume when, when you coupled it all together. Well, that gave us, it gave us the ability to, to put more inventory on the shelf or, or to explore, okay, well, you know, now I've got some money to do some prototyping and, and maybe try this idea or, or whatever. That's part of the growth, I think, was the two of us together, you know, if, if the service side was slow and the part side was busy, you know, we, we, we backed each other up. It, it, it kept us always, you know, in, in the black and moving in a, in a positive direction. Um, we've certainly We've certainly gone through some growth. I mean, we we signed up at one point for some training, um, and and I don't mean technician type training, although we we you know, we look for those opportunities for our guys as well. Um, but we we signed up for management training because um, the both of the two of us looked at each other and said, "Well, let's see. You were a mechanic, and you you became a business owner, but you're you're still a mechanic. Me, I was an IT guy that became a business owner. Um, you know, I I'm." I'm still a technical IT guy. I, I, I'm, I, I geek out on designing things, coming up with ideas, but I never had any business training other than what little bit I saw of my, of my dad, but nothing formal. I didn't take business in college. Um, you know, neither one of us had ever been formally instructed on all the business crap that goes with a business. You know, he wanted to work on trucks and I wanted to make parts for trucks. Um, and so, you know, we, we had those epiphanies where it's like, well, maybe we need to explore this a little bit and, and, and learn how to do it the right way. Cause you know, there's a good chance we're not doing it the right way. And, and, you know, so we certainly learned from that prospect and that's been big for us. Um, we were in that first 15,000 square foot building for seven years. Um, we tried for the last three of those to, to find another place, mostly cause we didn't care for our landlords. Um, but, but there were some, logistical problems with the way that building was laid out and, and it was making some things difficult, even though it had all that space, it was, it, it was a daily exercise of Tetris to move vehicles around and, and whatever. And, and I mean, we had explored designing and building, we designed or explored buying existing buildings and we, we were on the verge of, of signing another lease extension because uh, we, we exhausted everything we could look at. And, and one day our, our, real estate guy comes and says, I got one for you to look at. And, and after three years, we walked in a building, walked around and, and I mean, I don't think we were in this building five minutes and we're looking at each other like, yeah, this is it. 
Um, <laughs> and so in 2017, we moved into the, our current location, which is uh, about 18 and a half thousand square feet. Um, but it's, it's configured so much better. Uh, it's got so much more storage. It's, it, it, just everything about it for us is, has, has worked out much better. The, the location is, is I think better. Um, just, it, it was a good move. Uh, and around that same time, uh, or shortly after that move, we, uh, we promoted one of our service advisors to be a general manager. That's one of the best things we've ever done. Um, he, uh, he'd been with us since we moved into the old building and or right after we moved into the old building in 10. So he'd, he'd served with us for, for seven years at that point and knew everything in and out all over this place. And we just, we knew we were going to keep growing, you know, moving into a bigger place afforded us more technicians and, and whatever else. And was like, we can't keep managing this ourselves. And so, um, you know, we've gotten where we're, where we've gotten through, through, learning and growth and and things that aren't easy like like hiring a gm and and giving up control of some things and being like okay you handle this take it off our plate we're going to go handle this and this um not easy steps to take when you're when you're used to i'm going to you know kind of the old uh, if i want it done right i'll do it myself mentality um that's not an easy thing to 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 back away from and 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 delegate and but it's been it's been phenomenal so more, much more recently, as, as part of all that growth, we finally accomplished something I've wanted to do for a long, long time. And that's we've brought our CNC uh, operations of all of the custom parts we make in-house. Uh, for about 15 years, the same guy has been making all of my parts and he ran his own shop and I was at the mercy of his schedule and and when he could get things done based on his other customers and and everything else and and we had an opportunity to acquire two of the machines that made our parts and acquire the guy who's been making our parts for 15 years and bring it all in house and so that's uh that's going to be huge for us for growth um we're we're literally on a daily basis running parts in our own building now that and, and that's something i've wanted for probably at least five years if not longer um and, and we finally were able to make that happen so that that's been really really exciting too that is because it gives you so much control and i think bringing it closer to the source where the ideas you guys may have you have more control over the design the manufacturer the packaging everything you guys are are, are doing and there was another part i was really curious about is the manufacturing side and coming up or designing with fixes for problems that people are going to have with their trucks. Um, can you talk to me about that side of it as you guys are ramping up production and making, you know, products that either shops can use or, you know, people that, you know, own, own one of the trucks are saying, Hey, I heard about this. I saw it. I want this. I'm having this problem. This will fix it. How has that, how's that been or, What's it been like through this journey from the very beginning to now where you're now manufacturing products that people can buy, you know, everywhere and be able to, to, you know, fix their trucks or stock in their, their own diesel shop. You know, there, there's something really satisfying by having an idea about having an idea and, and figuring out how to, to produce something to, to address that idea, whether it's a, a problem or whatever else. 
you know, I go back all the way to that very first part I made. Like I said, it was $35. It was a silly little bracket. It was something that annoyed my wife at the time. And, and, and I fixed it in my garage and then some other people liked it and went, oh, that's cool. That snowballed. Um, you know, we've been known for many, many years for fuel system stuff for, for seven threes and six O's that kind of initially started out as a problem resolution that we were all chasing a, a particular, you know, known issue and, and, you know, a number of us together on the internet had, had come up with, you know, solutions that worked really well to, to, to kill that issue. And then as performance stuff became more and more popular as bigger injectors became more popular it, it also in turn you know solved the problem of of having enough fuel to to support somebody wanting to make more horsepower run a bigger injector whatever else and that's that's kind of how we've approached a lot of things you know having having had a good machinist at, at my fingertips or at least accessible to me for a long time and people who can laser cut sheet metal, water jet sheet metal, bend and weld sheet metal, um, you know, powder coating, you know, basically all the different processes you might need to produce a product I've, I've got access to. We've had opportunities for years to make all kinds of stuff. The, the hard decision for us was choosing not to make things that somebody else is already making. Um, good, good example, but kind of stupid. Um, uh, the first person I can remember ever selling coolant filter kits, and I could be wrong, there might have been somebody before him, but the one I can remember was Bob Riley at Diesel Site. Um, and, you know, everybody under the sun has coolant filter kits. The six liter came out and, and it became, a, oh, every every six liter needs one of these. And so now you can buy one from every different brand in every different color and flavor and whatever you want out there. And I always looked at that and thought, well, it's kind of, I just, I think it's kind of bad form, I guess, you know, to, to look at that and go, well, I can make that. I'm just going to go make one. I could have done that easily. Um, for many, many years, I, I could have been making and selling coolant filters for everything under the sun. I always felt like it was the right thing to do when, when we needed one in the shop to pick up the phone and call Bob and go, Hey, can I have one of those? You know, send it my way. We got a customer that needs it. I'm supporting the guy that had the idea in my mind. I mean, like I said, if there was somebody before him, I don't know who it was. Bob was the original that I remember. Um, I just I felt like it was bad form to 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 rip that off from him and 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 certainly we've had some of our stuff ripped off and and that's that's it's a two way street you know I I I I try to give people that that and in hopes that it maybe will alleviate some people ripping us off so there's a lot of things we could have made over the years that we've chosen not to um, we tried to stick with making things that were our idea or that were at, at, at the very least, if it was, if it was a, a joint idea or something, you know, somebody talked about online, it was a case of, you know, we, we figured out a, a unique way to do it and nobody else was mass producing it. And, and, you know, and whether they do now or not, I don't know, you know, whatever, but we, we tried to stick to stuff that wasn't already out there. Um, and so we, we always kind of went with the ideas that came from a problem. So, more recent stuff. Um, here's one that we don't make anymore, but when the 6.7 came out, uh, 6.7 Ford, um, they came out originally with a plastic oil pan and, and, a, and a yellow plastic drain plug that liked to break. Um, and then a little bit later, Ford figured out just what a piece of crap that oil pan was, and they they released the, started releasing them with a stamped steel oil pan. 
the stamp steel oil pan was only a, a minor upgrade. Um, they, they, they still did some things that were weird. We decided early on, this thing sucks. All right, I guess this is a good reason to try finding somebody to do casting. We'd never done casting before. And so we found a place to, to, to help us design and, uh, and manufacture a cast replacement oil pan for the 6.7 Power Stroke. Now the casting process is not quick. It took a while to, to have tooling made um, and then have, you know, initial castings made, have those go to the machine shop, get them, you know, machine test fit them. Okay, everything's right. Now we can send it to production. It's not a fast process. Uh, and in the meantime, somebody came out with a, a sheet metal, a welded sheet metal version. Um, but when ours came out, we still felt like we had a, we had a something that addressed multiple problems. It got rid of the cheap plastic pan um, it replaced the, the stamp metal one as well. And in both cases, it did it with a drain plug that pointed down at your drain pan instead of sideways, which was always a mess on the floor. Um, especially if you do your own service, um, you know, because obviously it'll shoot out farther when it first starts and then back off as, as it drains some. The other thing that I always thought was really dumb is they didn't put the oil pan, the drain in a place that you could put a single oil pan under the truck and drain the filter and the, and the pan at the same time. Um, you know, we thought about those things when we designed the pan. We're like, okay, well, if we're going to do this, it's going to be a, you know, a nice durable piece. Um, we're going to, we're going to put the drain as close to the, to the oil filter as possible. You slide one pan under it, pop the filter, pop the drain. It all drains at once. It drains straight down, doesn't make a giant mess. We actually designed it to use the, the six liter Ford factory drain plug and copper gasket, uh, which we know was readily available, easily replaceable, durable. Um, I had originally, I, well, I shouldn't say that I originally designed it to use an O-ring and then we decided that's kind of dumb. The O-ring is going to, you know, after a few cycles need to be replaced. So that's when we converted it to the, to the six liter drain plug. That was before even going to production. You know, we tried to, we tried to build it in a way that it fixed problems and made life convenient and better for whoever was using it. And we did really well with those for a while. Uh, and then everybody under the sun that makes any kind of trans pan, oil pan, whatever else came out. And now there's like a dozen of them or something on the market. And we quit making them because we couldn't compete because we're making them in small batches and they're making probably hundreds at a time. And so we finally had to back away from that. That, But that's been our approach. Um, same with our Duramax power steering lines. You know, it was a known issue. There were a few people at the time that were making um, hoses where you could you could essentially cut your factory lines or or you could send your factory lines as cores in and they would cut them, fit a, a different end on, send it back with a different hose. But you were basically using factory tubes um, and either as cores or, or as, as the base. We said, well, cores are a nightmare. They're a mess. Who wants to deal with that? Who wants to deal with extra shipping, everything else? Let's just make a new, brand new from scratch tube. Let's make it out of stainless. Um, you know, so the tube's super durable and lasts a lifetime. Let's put a, you know, a replaceable hose in it. And, and so we've been, we've been building those because we, we didn't feel like it made sense to deal with cores on something like that, or that it made sense to deal with the line that maybe has already been on for a hundred thousand miles and might have some, you know, some wear or some rub through or some whatever, let's just manufacture a new part. So our take has always been, let's, let's try to address something in a unique way. And, and so our product line has, has remained a little smaller because of it, because we just haven't gone out and made everything that everybody else makes. 
uh, you know, we, we constantly are looking for new ideas or new ways to do things. What are you, you had mentioned the, the Duramax lines and, and, and some other things. What, what kind of products do you guys offer now and, and what problems do they fix on any one of the three trucks? Well, like the, the one that we manufacture, the only thing we manufacture of ours for the Duramax is those power steering lines. Not that, you know, we just haven't, we haven't had one of those other, you know, unique epiphany ideas of, oh, hey, we could do this. You know, a lot of times somebody's already done it. Um, for the Cummins, um, probably the big thing we do was not our idea. Uh, we sell a, a fan hub adapter uh, that allows you to run a mechanical fan clutch on uh, a bunch of the Cummins motors, um, six, seven Cummins motors, um, instead of the electronic fan clutch that's notorious for being problematic, not always working the way it should, whatever. That product was actually developed by um, Aiden at GOS Racing, and we were using it in our shop many years ago on some conversion, Cummins conversion trucks we were working on, and we really liked it. They were just really hard to get. We'd call and he wouldn't have any or whatever. And so I finally approached him and said, Hey, you know, I'm not sure how you're, how you're working on this, but you know, would you let us take a look at making these for you? Maybe we can get your price down and maybe we can, you know, get, get you a better, a better availability, you know, a, a quicker turnaround, whatever. And, and, and so he allowed us to do that. And we, we, you know, we built one, we sent him, you know, a sample, we gave him a quote. He, he liked, the quality of the product, the way our machinist does things. And, and he, he was happy with the price and we've been making it ever since. Um, so I don't even take credit for that one. You know, it was his entirely his idea. We just, we just did a really good job of manufacturing it for him. And so to this day, we still do. Uh, and now we build um, with that. We also, if, if you don't want to have to buy the adapter, the bearing separate and, and take your truck apart and, involve a press and press the old bearing out and press a new bearing or your old bearing into the new part. If you don't have the capability or the tools to do that, we actually sell a reman assembly. That's the whole bracket with a new bearing and his uh, hub in it so that you can just unbolt and bolt and be done in short order. And then you just send us the core back on the bracket so we can build the next one. So, so we've been doing those with that as well. Um, we've also got a, We've got a for for the guys that are keeping the electronic fan clutch in in the six seven Cummins in some of the six seven Cummins because it doesn't work in all of them. We've got a a, a switch that'll allow you to to manually run that fan more aggressively. So if you know you're you know pulling a hill or whatever, you need some more cooling. Uh, we've got an electronic mod to that fan that would that'll run it. it. It it doesn't work in every year and every configuration, but it but it works pretty well in the ones it does. Um, Still to this day, most everything is is Ford, and a lot of our manufacturing is still heavily geared toward the fuel system stuff. Um, we've got uh, lift pump kits, both for stockish level trucks and high performance stuff that includes all the filtration you need. We've got the regulated returns we've always built. Um, and then more recently, we added, well, more recently, it's still been a few years, uh, transmission coolers for all the six, seven Fords. So 11 to 16 and then 17 to 19, all the six speed um, six, seven Fords. We've got a really good trans cooler kit that works really well in those. That was developed because I bought an F450 in a 48 foot race trailer and couldn't believe I was looking at 260 plus degree trans temps. Wow. That's getting up there. 
Yeah, toasty. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's always the same thing with us. You know, it's 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 the guys in the shop, you know, see a need for something, or like in in, in the case of my F four fifty, I I I was seeing a need for something and and looking, and nobody had a trans cooler, and um, you know, but it's it's usually a case of you know there there's something, you know, we see we see so many trucks in and out of the shop, and we go looking and and nobody's doing it well that's something that we'll investigate if somebody's already doing it i, I i'm just i i'm really hard about not copying other people's work i i don't want it done to me and so i i don't do it to other people but that's one of the toughest things to find as a diesel enthusiast diesel truck owner i imagine even shop owners as well is it can be tough to find these fixes through maybe a traditional search or the traditional places that you look, you, you might not see it, especially nowadays. It's very much like what are the most popular products and things people do to their trucks, but you run into these issues with, you know, any of them where you're like, I need a fix for that. Where can I find it? And I think that, I think that does a lot for not just the industry, but the community, the, the truck owners that are out there. I find that in so many parts of, my life it doesn't have to be trucks, but I want in, or I run into a problem and it's so hard to find this one solution. And then I find this one company that does it and it's like, oh, this just solved everything for me, but it took a long time to find it. So I think you know, what you guys do, um, social media through awareness, through, you know, marketing, getting your name out there, doing this podcast, talking about the things you, that you guys do, if it can save somebody a whole bunch of time or a shop owner, um, be able to allow them to offer a solution for their customers, then that's, that's what we all want. That's where everybody wins in solving these problems. Yeah. And, you know, we spent a lot of years trying to figure out how to market ourselves and, and, you know, we've we've learned a lot about running a business, but there's nobody in this building that's going to claim to be a marketing expert. Um, and I'm actually really happy about the fact that 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 we finally allowed ourselves another one that was not necessarily an easy decision, but we finally allowed ourselves to 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 expand our dealer network um, to businesses that are geared toward wholesale distribution. Uh, I, I was really picky about that early on. Well, early on for, for most of the existence of my business, I wanted to have more control over who was purchasing our product because I looked at that as this, this company, this person, whoever is representing my brand. And so I, you know, I, I always feared if I allowed a WD to sell you know, our stuff, I had no control over who they were selling it to. I, I don't even know that it's a legitimate shop. For all I know, it's, you know, it, it, it's a guy working out of his garage, you know, on Saturdays and he got a tax license and they happened to sell to him. And, but, it, but is he a good rep representative for our product? Does he, does he know what he's talking about? Can, can he support it if it has an issue or am I just going to get every tech phone call there is and, and he's going to sell it, take the money and, 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 and we get to deal with the rest. And finally wrapping my brain around allowing some of those types of places to sell our stuff has, has been a good thing in terms of, I mean, it's offloaded some of the load of, of, of the, of the marketing and, and even, you know, like I'll ship 10 of something to a WD now instead of 10 individual somethings to 10 individuals. 
so it's offloaded our our shipping load a little bit or or whatever too and we still get the tech support phone calls but now we you know we we have a little more man hours to spend on doing some of that kind of stuff or a little more man hours to spend on you know development or something new or you know whatever i mean part of this uh taking on the machine shop bit is is i'm starting to learn how that equipment works and i'm also starting to learn how to do how to do 3d drawing you know for for a new product and you know if if i had a ton of other stuff to do because i didn't have these other avenues helping us to market helping us to sell and whatever i wouldn't have the time to do that stuff so it's it's not an easy thing to to let it's kind of like letting go you know and delegating when when we hired a general manager it's kind of the same thing it's you know you're letting go of some control you're letting somebody else be the one that determines who they sell the product to and and you have no no control whatsoever whether that's a good thing or not we just kind of had to learn not to care and and hope that our WDs are making good decisions about who they take as customers um but but it certainly opened us up to getting you know to, to finding some more customers and and we get calls from people who purchased then from WDs or dealers that bought from them or or dealers that are direct with us or whatever and and, and we support them as if they bought direct from us cuz it's our product but um but yeah it's it's been interesting the the whole growth of the whole thing and and trying to figure out the right way to to approach it is it, it's it's very fluid well and i think it i guess this applies just across the board but the one thing we all don't have enough of is time and you think of adding in the businesses the people the processes everything you guys are working on and i see this and, and hear about it a lot is there's just not enough time in the day to do something and i think that's one of the hardest parts um whenever somebody's asked me hey you talk with these companies or you know these people um ask them how, how do they manage their time how do they grow to the next level and i think it's that letting go and trusting and delegating so that you can focus on you know learning a drawing or a new product or whatever it might be or your business partner with a you know a, a, an idea that he has and kind of capturing some of that time back and yeah, I think supporting the you know the shops, the brands, the WDs that, that are out there that are representing you that that sometimes maybe even mostly is the first exposure the end user has to a brand or a product. Yeah, you know, I think of things that I buy. I'm it's normally I, I'm it's through a retailer, um, and my experience is really dictated by how it was purchasing it from the retailer. And so I think that's, that's something that I, I could see the challenge of it and I see how hard it could be to let go. Um, but I understand also how that's freed up and is, is going to allow you guys to grow even more and, you know, expand what you guys are doing and take it to the, you know, the next level. Well, the other thing that's a little bit flattering about it too is is you know think about yourself and whatever you might buy whether it's truck related or maybe you're into firearms or maybe you know, whatever it is everybody's got their favorite retailer you know so you know some for whatever reason they, they they've established a relationship with somebody they've done a lot of business with them it's their go-to the first the first place they look when they're when they need something yep and and some of the retailers that, that have taken us on you know they're 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 big names um and you know, and we're ecstatic that they're offering our stuff. We feel like that's flattering that, that, you know, that they've looked at our stuff and they've, they've thought highly enough of it to add it to their line. And, and so, you know, that's, that's, that's a cool feeling for us. You know, I'm not, I'm not out there trying to compete, 
with guys like that on say Google so that so that if somebody searches something, I, you know, I'm 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 showing up on the first page. Like some of those guys are tough to compete with, but but the fact that they they looked at our product and were willing to go, yeah, I'd I'd love to sell that. I think a lot of our customers would like it. And then it's turned around and and become a good relationship for us and and whatnot. That's that's a really cool feeling for us. Um you know, because we're we're nowhere near the size of some of those guys, and, and don't have you know the the capability of doing some of the things that they can do, but but it's cool that they like our stuff. Yeah, well that that's where it all comes together and it all works, because ultimately that retailer they want to be able to make their customer happy and their customers happy when the product they're selling them works, and then the manufacturer is happy, <laughs> and you know it it just all works like that. I know it's it can be really tough to put that together. But I think in what I've, I've learned through chatting with you is the planning, the processes, the logical way um, that you guys have approached this whole thing ultimately sets the company up and the truck owners out there and the diesel shops up to be successful because you guys have put in the sweat equity and, and the time and thought of the processes. And you know, before I let you go, before we had done the podcast, and I don't know what this announcement is, but you said, hey, Patrick, I've got something big that I want to mention on the podcast. And I was going to ask you, and I thought, no, I'll just be surprised with everybody else when, when you tell me. So I wanted to uh, see you know, what, what you guys got. Well, you've had a few podcasts where you've been talking to, uh, to people about you know, emissions-related things and, and how much fun that's made to you know, the, the diesel aftermarket. Um, and, and we've certainly had our, our experience, uh, like so many other shops, we, you know, we, we had an, an EPA visit and, and like so many other shops, it, it actually caused us to really back off and look at certain products we offer and, and everything else. And, and, you know, so our website today is not at all what it was years ago when, uh, you know, before, even though we weren't selling anything that, that on our website that, that would have been deemed problematic, um, after our visit, we just got kind of gun shy and certain things and took a bunch of other stuff off. Cause like, I, I don't want to give them a reason to show back up again, but along that lines, we had to sit, sit back and look at the product that we make and ask ourselves, do, do we feel like we're going to have a problem with anything that we make? And I had looked into this in the past and had tried making some phone calls and, and getting answers on, on the process and just couldn't get good answers and, and whatever. Um, but we, we decided we didn't have a choice and we had to, we had to bite the bullet and, and figure it out. And as of, as of today, uh, although we're, we're dealing with a, a, a minor back order issue on one of the components, so it should be resolved by Monday or Tuesday of next week. As of today, our regulated return system uh, stand and fuel bowl delete for the six liter power stroke uh, has a carb EO number and is legal fail in California or any other state that abides the carbs um, restrictions. Uh, that was a hell of a process to go through, um, but but it was it, it was it was important. We needed to do it to know that 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 what we're doing is is not problematic and and. And so, yeah, sometime first early next week, uh, we will be able to start shipping the first six liter regulated return kits that are legal to be sold and installed in the state of California. And we're following up with applications on a few other product lines as well. The process is long and slow. 
I've got probably over a year involved in this one. Um, but, but yeah, we, we literally just got the, the, the EO issued a few days ago when I sent you that email and, and I got the last, the last thing I needed to, to package and, and, and ship them properly, um, other than this part that's back ordered, uh, came in today. So we're, we're really excited about that. It's, it's, it's been a learning curve and I'm hoping that the next ones go a little bit smoother. Um, but we picked a tough one uh, going after a six liter, which is a, a definitely an emissions vehicle. And uh, and so we're, we're really ecstatic to say that we we have that EO number issued and, and we're legal to sell that product in the state of California. That's huge. That, that, that's it's so massive. And I feel I have for a long time. One of our most I always look I love analytics. I've mentioned this before and I like to see which states we get the most plays or you know where we surge at and different things in California. It, it goes between California and Texas um, every week. And I, so I know there's a lot of truck owner diesel truck owners out there. I know that they face the same problems as anybody in any of the other 50 states when it comes to maintenance and keeping their vehicles running. And so to know that there is a solution for a problem that they have that they can install on their truck and they don't have to worry about it. So when they go get emissions testing, they've got the EO number. It's massive. And I think, I think what you guys are doing with that and the approach with it, it's so refreshing because I, I have talked about it for years with guests, you know, and, and what's it going to look like? What's the future going to be like? How can you confidently install these parts and not worry about it? More States or more you know, localities are going towards kind of the standards that California has. And so it's, it's so refreshing to see the step and, and there's a lot of six liter fans. I've done some podcasts with six liter owners in California and seven threes and everything else. So I think that's awesome. And, and uh, I think as an industry, you know, people are, are going to be proud of, of you guys and, and, and what you're doing. And I look forward to seeing more of it so that those guys can have solutions for their trucks as well. Yeah, it's, it's pretty exciting. And, and I, I hope, like I said, I hope the learning experience of the first one makes the next ones a little bit less difficult to to get by. But uh, yeah, it's 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 a big deal for sure. And and I certainly hope that a lot of other people in our business are are looking to take the same step. I, I think it 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 shows an intent to to be part of the overall system and try to improve not only not only our industry and, and the way our industry is per perceived. But in reality, to try to improve, you know, actual emissions, um, you know, we we owe it to our kids to leave this place at least as good as we found it, if not better, and and not make it worse. And and you know, so I, I as as much as I'm I'm bothered by some of the way some of the things are mandated and 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 you know some of the unintended consequences of of some of that type of stuff, um, you know, I still think we have to do the right thing. And, and so it was an important step for us. And, and hopefully it, it's something we see other people in our business continue to, to pick up and do more of. It was a pleasure to chat with you, Dennis. I knew I was in for a great chat, but I didn't, I didn't know all those things about your journey, the lessons that you learned. And there's, there's so much valuable information in all of them that I love it when I can just point a listener to an episode, send him a link and say, hey, check out my talk with Dennis. He answers exactly or he went through exactly what, what you're going through. And I think, you know, these these products that, that solve problems, like I mentioned before, it just sets it, it sticks in my mind. I know it sticks with truck owners as well, um, where we should look when we have 
you know, this problem or, or we need to solve something or, or just maintain our vehicles because we're, you know, we're attached to them. A lot of us are, we get attached to them for a lot of different reasons and they're hard to let go of. And we want to be able to make sure that they last. So it was, it was great to chat with you. I know there's going to be people that have questions, um, whether they are a truck owner or a diesel shop owner or something like that. And they're like, Hey, you know, somebody's asked me for your product before. I want to be able to get more of them. I, you know, I want to stock them or I got questions for you. What's the best way for people to be able to reach out to you guys and ask questions about products, you know, things you guys are working on, maybe they'll lo- they're local to you and, you know, want to stop in and, and, uh, you know, get some work done or maintenance done. How do they contact you guys? Well, probably the easiest way is going to be one of our websites and we've got a few. Um, the e-commerce site is strictlydiesel.com. Uh, if somebody's local and they're potentially interested in our service and repair operations and things that we're capable of doing there, we do also have strictlydieselrepair.com, which is primarily toward uh, our, our local service operation. And it doesn't it doesn't really have, you know, parts for sale or anything like that. Um, so either either one of those will get you our address, our phone number, our email, all of that. Um, they're. Uh, there is also drivendiesel.com. Um, that's not really a, a very well-built website just yet. It's primarily a dealer list. But if uh, if you're if you're interested in our products um, and you've got a favorite dealer, it's a place you can check and see. Uh, it's got all of our big dealers listed on it. We've got many, many, many small dealers as well. But but all of our our kind of big heavy hitter dealers are listed at, at drivendiesel.com. Um, and you can also see that full product line at 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 our e-commerce site at strictlydiesel.com. So any, any one of those three will will get you, depending on what you're looking for, to, to some either either access to our product or or to contact information to reach out to us. Well, it was fantastic chatting with you, Dennis. Like I said, I appreciate you sharing your story with us and, and giving us some some valuable lessons you've learned. And then also that huge announcement, um, you know, being able to deliver it to these podcast listeners. Um, I know they're going to appreciate it. And it, w- it was really cool. I know there's so many other topics and, and there's going to be other things I'm going to want to chat about with you in the future when it comes to performance and racing and, and tons of other things. But um, like I said, I appreciate your time sharing your story and look forward to talking again in the future. I do as well. I appreciate it. Don't forget, diesel fans, make sure and head on over to Kershaw.kaiusa.com. Use code 23diesel20 for 20% off site-wide. So if you're in the market for a knife, they've got a ton of different choices to meet any budget that you might have. Um, And we really appreciate them offering that 20% off site-wide code just for you guys. Their latest model in 2023 is the Duralock lineup. And the blade, it comes with D2 steel. It's got a super smooth opening mechanism, a bunch of different blade styles. Um, handle materials, handle designs you can pick from. So if you're in the market for you know, something for EDC or hunting, fishing, something to have it, you know, around the house uh, at work, definitely check them out. And we really appreciate them offering that code just for you guys. Also want to give a shout out to some of our Patreon supporters, Tyler Lowen of 23 Diesel, Jay Cole John, all of our other Patreon supporters, all of you who follow us on social media, subscribe on YouTube podcast apps. We appreciate all your support and look forward to bringing you more of the episodes that you guys want to hear in 2023. Until next time, keep the shiny side up.